Hi, I'm Pastor Torrin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. Hope you enjoy this morning's service. Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse number 9. Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and this is what he says. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more, in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray over the word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray that for the next few moments, all minds will be clear. All distractions, Lord, will, will not be there. It, it'll be clear hearing what your word has to say for this new year in our lives. Lord, help us to, to, to learn from your word and to be better because of your anointing. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, and Philippi has not been the most friendliest city to Paul. I don't know if you remember, but it was in Philippi that he was thrown in jail uh, and beaten uh, for casting the demon out of the little girl. It was also that in the, in the jail in Philippi that the earth shook. Remember that wonderful story? The Bible said the earth shook, and the next thing you know, the doors of the jail opened, and, and Paul and Silas walked out, and uh, they were going to let him go as free men, but he said, no, you're going to publicly apologize. And so Philippi has not been the greatest and easiest place for Paul, but Paul has fallen in love with the believers and the Christians that are there. And he wants to encourage them in a great way. And this is what he says. And I just want to take this passage of Scripture for a few moments this morning and break this down to what I really feel is the crux of what Paul is trying to get at in encouraging the church in Philippi. He says, in this I pray. And by the way, when he says pray, he doesn't mean that this is what he suggests. You know, sometimes I, I think that when we look through the Word of God and we see these things that say, Lord, I, I, I ask you, uh, uh, you know, I, I pray that this happen in your life or I pray that this take place. A lot of times we think, well, you know, I wonder if he means I pray for you like we pray for each other sometimes. You know, sometimes that happens. Have you ever had somebody go, whoa, that's just horrible, brother. I'll pray for you. And then they walk off. You don't know if they prayed for you or not. You don't know what's going on. Or sometimes they, they say it as if in passing because that's the Christian thing to say. But when Paul says, this I pray, he's not just saying the way we say it in 21st century America. He's saying, listen, I am pleading with God for you for this particular thing. Now, if Paul says, I'm praying for you for this, this must be important. This is not something that we should throw under the bus or throw, under, throw to the side or sweep under the rug. If Paul thinks this is important, we ought to think it's important too. And this is what he says, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. When I first started looking at this, I thought, why, why is, is Paul trying to put love in knowledge and discernment because when you look at it in the syntax of the Greek and you're trying to put the scriptures together what Paul is saying is it's great to have knowledge and it's great to have discernment 
But I'm not praying that you have more knowledge and more discernment. I'm praying that love increases and abounds. And he does something really weird because it's not necessary for him to say more and more. It's, it's, it's really not. There's no, there's no grammatical purpose for him saying more and more. What he's saying is, I want you to understand love has to abound and abound and abound and abound in knowledge and discernment. And as I begin to think about that, I think this is really a good word for the church to start off with because I'm going to tell you something. Love, knowledge without love, and discernment without love are dangerous things in a church. Let's talk about knowledge first. Do you realize that the world every day increases in knowledge more and more? It's amazing what you can learn on the Internet. I mean, think about this. Years ago, if you wanted to learn you know, the distance between the earth to the moon, you would have to go to a library if you didn't have it memorized. How many of you had it memorized from school? You say, in science, I memorized all those wonderful, nobody. Okay, so so you'd have to go to the library or to a science book. You'd have to flip through. You'd have to look until you found it, and then you'd have to read a couple paragraphs before it would get to the knowledge you wanted. Do you know how easy it is to find out the distance between the earth to the moon today? For most of you, you can press a button on your phone and talk to the phone. Now, used to, people were locked up for talking to inanimate objects. But now you can talk into the phone and you go, and it goes, tell me the distance. I don't have my phone with me because I don't bring my phone into the sanctuary, so it won't go off. Because if my phone went off while I was in the sanctuary, some of you would be very frightened <laughs> by the ringtone. But it's, it, it just... Uh, it, 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 it would go, it would go, beep, beep, and you'd say, what is the distance from the earth to the moon? And miraculously, the phone knows and goes, the distance from the earth to the moon is, and it tells you, and I don't know what it is, but, uh, but knowledge has increased. It's amazing how many people just take all the stuff they know and put it online. Now, that's good, and that's also bad. I'm telling you what, there are some things I'm glad that I can look online and find out. There are also some things I look online and I wish I hadn't known. And I wish there was a filter for that on Facebook. But anyway, there, there's this idea of, of knowledge increasing more and more and more. And by the way, if you're not a, a, a student of prophecy or, or, or a prophet, you might not realize this, but the Bible says before the end comes, knowledge will continue to increase. The problem is, is that love was meant to be the center of the Christian life, not knowledge. You know, for many years, the church put tons and tons of money into building universities and schools and Bible colleges because they thought if we know more about God, we'll be able to do more with the knowledge we have. As if there was some secret code they kept looking for. Oh, man, look at that. All the T's line up in a diagonal line. That must mean something. Now, you, you might think I'm crazy, but I know of at least four movies, nine television shows, and a couple of Hallmark specials that are about that same thing. Letters that line up in a row in the Bible, and it must mean something. See, I think sometimes the problem is we in the church get so hungry to know more about God, we forget that the whole purpose of knowledge is to know God. Not to know about God. See, anybody can know about God. 
How old is God? Well, he was in the beginning. He will be long after we're gone. You know, you, know, uh, you can know facts and figures. You can know facts and figures about Jesus. But there's a great difference between knowing about Jesus and actually knowing Jesus. There's a great difference between taking knowledge and, and using it to do something with Because, see, listen, if the church had taken the, the opportunity to take the knowledge it had and use it properly, then they would have been building food shelters and orphanages instead of college and Bible institutions. Oh, now, Pastor, are you saying that we don't need, we don't need people to, to know things about the Bible? Well, of course you do. Of course you need people to know stuff, and you need people that can study and read and present you the Word of God, but, but not so much that you can't do what the Bible says. I've known people all my life that can quote Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture and still beat their wife. Because here's what I found out. Knowledge without love is dangerous. And knowledge without love can cause a world of problems. See, we live in a society today that we, 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 when we have knowledge over somebody, it gives us power over them. I'll never forget a couple years ago, a movie came out about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Stupid movie, but it's I Know What You Did. I, like that was going to hold some authority over. I, uh, I got a better illustration of this. I, there was once a, a young uh, two kids that were at their grandmother's house, and uh, a friend of mine shared the story with me. These two kids were out playing in the yard, and the little boy was skipping rocks across the pond. And just the day before, our grandmother had been walking out and showed all the kids, and, and she said, oh, and they're my ducks. And they had three or four ducks on the pond, and, and they had names for all the ducks. And Grandma said, see that, see that pretty mallard right there? That's my, that's my favorite duck. And his name was Bob. That's my favorite duck. And sure enough, boy was out there throwing rocks, and sure enough, the one skipped right off and hit that duck Bob in the head and killed it killed it so little sister said I know what you did so when it came time to do the dishes later on grandma said to the little girl it's time to do the dishes she looked over her brother and said if you don't do the dishes I'm going to tell grandma about the duck later on it came time to clean the house grandmother looked at the little girl help me do this part of the housework Oh, I think my brother will help you. Remember the duck. Pretty soon this became overbearing as kids can be. And hours turned into days, and the next thing you know, the little boy couldn't take any more of it. Ran and cried in his grandmother's arms and said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. Oh, I killed your duck. And the grandma said, I know. I saw you through the kitchen window. And I forgive you. See, there's a difference between knowledge without love and knowledge with love. The problem is, is the more, if we keep increasing in knowledge and don't keep increasing in love, we will misuse the knowledge that God gives us and use it to lord over people instead of lift people up. Jesus never gave you a mind 
to put people down. Now you listen to this, Pastor. Jesus never gave you a mind to put people down. He gave you a mind to lift people up. To lift people up, to help them out of their situation, to, to lift them up and strengthen them. He didn't give us a mind and knowledge to be able to use it against people. He gave us a, he gave us a mind and knowledge to be able to help people out, to be able to lift people up, to pull people out of their situation and give them hope for tomorrow. But without love, listen to me, without love, it's not going to work. Without love, everything we gain knowledge-wise will be done in selfishness. And Jesus Christ is not about selfishness. He's about selflessness. Paul said, listen, I also want you to, uh, your love may abound more and more in all discernment. And I got to thinking, well, I understand knowledge, but what about discernment? What is discernment? Being able to discern right from wrong. Being able to discern evil from good. Being able to know what is demonic and know what is not. And I got to think about that. Well, where does love come into that? I'm reminded back when I was growing up, I was probably about 15 or 16, and I was really into watching Christian television. And there was a guy on there. They only played him at night. <laughs> I found out later why. But they only played him late at night when most people were asleep. And this guy, his whole ministry was going around and hunting down demons. And I mean, this guy was, I mean, he was like the Rambo of demon hunters. I mean, this guy was, would, would have a video camera, follow him around, and go and kick down doors of bars and start casting out demons. Uh, some business owners would kick him out. But, you know, yeah, but this was the kind of guy, this guy was all just, just raw, gung-ho. The problem was, is that sometimes when you're dealing with demons, you're also dealing with people. Hello? Are you, are you with me this morning? Because some of those people are possessed. Now, somebody asked me the other day, do you still believe that demons can possess people? Okay, look at me. Yeah. Been doing it for thousands of years. They're not stopping because, you know, somebody got elected president. They're, they're still real. Listen, you, you say, well, pastor, don't you believe that most of these cases are cases of mental illness and not demon possession? Well, let me tell you something. That's why you and I need the Holy Spirit. You listen to me. We need the Holy Spirit because one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment. And discernment means that with the Holy Spirit inside of you tells you whether or not that person's mentally ill or demon-possessed. Here's the cool thing. Jesus can heal both. Jesus has power over both. He can heal mental illness and he can cast out demons. But we need discernment. And the problem was this guy would get to be where he would almost hate the people as much as he hated the demons. Now, this guy didn't have a big ministry. He didn't have a big following. Because sometimes we get so enthusiastic about taking down the enemy we forget who the enemy is. Can we be very clear this morning? The enemy of our souls is not each other. The enemy of our souls is Satan. And when someone does something to you that drives you mad, realize the force behind it. Now, not that that person's demon-possessed. Please don't get me wrong. That's not the case. Not always. 
But there are some cases where the devil just uses people against us. They could be our family. They could be our friends. But we get mad at our family and friends and don't realize that love covers a multitude of sins. And we forget that we don't wrestle against and we don't battle against flesh and blood. When love begins to be the base of our discernment, then we realize that every single person we come in contact with has a soul that's worth saving. Oh, you didn't hear me this morning. I'm telling you a truth. When love is the base, that foundation of our discernment, then we realize every person we come in contact with has a soul that needs to be saved or deserves to be saved and can be saved. Somebody said, well, what about those people that have, that have you know, they're, they're, they've been turned over, they're, they're no longer able to hold. I said, I've never met one of those people before. I've never met a person that was beyond the, the blood of Jesus Christ. There may be people out there, they stay away from me. <laughs> I don't know them. So I, I, I believe with all my heart that every person that has breath in their body has an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. I believe that. And I understand that if I go around letting discernment be the key instead of love, then I'll just be mad at everybody. Well, I discern that they're in a bad mood, and I'm going to be in a bad mood too until I cast the bad mood out. Well, that's not going to help them. Or I'm going to be, I'm going to say, I'm coming against the devils attacking their family, and I'm going to, I'm going to kick the door down. Well, that's not going to help them either. Doors are expensive. I'll never forget, I was playing the drums at, at Bartlett First Assembly of God when I was about 12 years old in revival. And a young boy who was deaf and dumb, and by dumb I don't mean like stupid, I mean he couldn't talk, had come down and the demon inside of him made him chew his hands. So when he was trying to sign to his parents, uh, when he was trying to communicate with them, there'd be times when all of a sudden he would just bite off chunks of his hand. The, the, the demon was just all about keeping him from communicating with his family. Horrible, horrible situation. In the middle of the service, the preacher is preaching, and the demon manifests itself right here on the front row because these people were desperate. How I many you know desperate people find a way to get to Jesus? They were desperate. They brought this child in, and immediately everybody knew what the problem was. But you had half the people in the church wanting to... Hold the boy down. Keep him from shaking. Come at that demon. And they realized that demon was in the body of a little child. Couldn't have been no older than my son. The boy was definitely younger than me, but I mean, he had to be seven, eight, nine years old. Just angry, angry people. And you know, some Pentecostals get when God doesn't respond immediately. <laughs> They just scream louder because they think that's what gets God's attention. You know, if anything, we learned on Mount Carmel is screaming louder at God doesn't get God's attention. Elijah spoke a prayer and fire fell. He didn't scream like the prophets of Baal. He didn't cut himself like the prophets of Baal. He just simply asked and God moved. Okay? This 
I mean, everybody was just surrounding this kid. The poor kid couldn't breathe. They were on top of the kid. They were holding the kid down. And the kid's writhing and screaming. And people weren't getting, uh, weren't praying. They were getting angry. And the evangelist who's over here praying for people sees the awfulness of the situation going on over here. And he says, stop. Now, he said stop in a normal voice. But I kid you not, I felt the wall shake. How many of you know when the anointing is present, things are different? And he took everybody. <laughs> you got to love the, the guts of some of these guys. He took everybody that had been praying for this boy and sent them to the altar <laughs> to pray. <laughs> In other words, get away from the kid. You're doing no good. We love you. You, you. you mean well, but you're better over here beating the altar than you are beating the kid. Hello? You're better over here beating the altar than you are beating the kid. And the and the the evangelist looked at the mother and looked in her eyes and said, Show me how to sign Jesus loves you. Show me how to sign Jesus loves you. So the mother did. She did a sign for Jesus with her hands. Loves you. Can I tell you what that anointing moment feels like when all of a sudden demonic power has no authority and that little boy stopped kicking and screaming and all the evangelist did was he kept signing Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you and he smiled at the boy and he kissed his forehead. Now some of you might say, oh, I can't believe he did that. You know what? That was good. That was right at that moment. I won't say it's right for everybody at every moment, but it was right for that child at that moment because what that kid didn't need was another frustrated parent. That kid needed the love of Jesus Christ. And when that evangelist started saying, Jesus loves you, finally the boy started coming calm, and he said, Jesus loves me. And the moment he said, Jesus loves me, that evangelist said yes, and they prayed. And that night, that boy didn't act out or didn't respond or didn't kick, bite, or scream for the whole week. Now, whether he was completely delivered, we don't know. But I will tell you something. If you go into spiritual battle with anger, you're not going to win. Hello? If you go into spiritual battle with anger or bitterness, you won't win. Paul says, listen, you want to see discernment in your spirit? You want to see God's spirit uh, working in your life? You've got to have more and more and more and more and more love every day you live. Because listen, he says, why do you need love and, and in your knowledge and discernment? He says, because you need to approve the things that are excellent. Now, that's not something we think of ourselves as the job of the Christian people to do, is to go around and say, that's good and that's not good. But you know, we have kids today that don't know what the rules are because we don't ever explain it to them. Saw a little kid the other day, hit another kid on the playground. I said, listen, don't hit. That's not right. And the little kid said to me, says who? Hello? What do you mean, says who? Good thing I'm not a teacher there. I don't know how to conniption fit. <laughs> but, but says who? The church should say what? The church should be the who. The church ought to be telling people, listen, 
these things are good to do. These things are not good to do. Look, it, look you, we have a list of things in the Bible that says that God says these things are sin. We ought to be telling people so they don't go to hell. You forget, sometimes God gives us knowledge so we can help people stay out of hell. And I don't know about you, but I like to keep people out of hell. The last thing I want is a total board in heaven when I get there going, all right, Tori, these are the people you could have saved, and these are the people that are all in hell because you shut up and didn't say anything. And you all wonder why I talk so much. Look, the, look, the Bible says, listen, your, your, your job is to approve the things that are excellent. Show those things to people that are good. You know, if you've got something that's good, you want to share it with people. Amen. Uh, my, my wife called my Aunt Lois the other day, getting ready for Thanksgiving, because my Aunt Lois has a pecan pie that I would conquer China for. I mean that. And, and she called it and, 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 and said got the recipe and then she made it and she said look at this and, and I said oh great it's pecan pie and then she said it's your Aunt Lois's recipe and I said give it or I'm going to stab you with a fork I, that's my pie it's good and I took one bite of that and I said oh no 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 wait and I, I want all my kids to eat a bite because it was good and when we're at home I'm going to share that man so, well actually I don't want to share that most of the time but you know when you have something good you want to share it if you've got good news to tell people, listen, I know what will help you with your depression. It's a book called the book of Psalms, and it all glorifies God. And I've seen people sit down and read it. And when they read it, they read, if God be for me, who can be against me? And they said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it lifts up. It's good. Y'all don't want to pass around. Y'all tell people, these things are excellent. Look, get involved with this because it's good. You will see lives change. You will see yourself change. Do it. It's good. Some people all the time, there, there are things we used to tell the soldiers at Fort Leonard Wood because we'd only have like five minutes to, to deal with them after the altar call before they'd be shipped off somewhere else. So listen, tell you what's good. Read your Bible. It's good. Pray every day. It's good. Find other Christians to share your faith with. That's good. And don't forget to, to do what the Bible says to do. It's good. But if the church isn't saying that, because if we're not filled with love, we're not going to want to share. Hello? Right? If we don't have love for others, we're not going to want to share. It says also that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says this. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Look, we're going to make mistakes in life. And we're going to have problems and issues. But if we try to be sincere with everything we do, we will make great headway in trying to see the kingdom of God grow in, 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 our, in our cities, in our area. Be sincere. You can't be sincere without love, though. And finally, he says, and without offense. And I think what he's basically saying is he's saying, listen, if you live your life full of love, if you live your life with, with sincerity, with, with excellence, if you live your life with those things, you're not going to offend people. Because I've never been around a person that didn't want to be loved. Now, I've been around teenagers that said, oh, I don't need anybody to love me. I'm good on my own. Urgh. 
I threw the er in there because I'm thinking about one particular kid back in Tennessee. Er, he, er was at the end of every sentence. And he goes, I don't, I've, I've got everything I need. I don't need anybody to love me. Er. And his sister would tell me that he would cry at night because he felt alone. You're not going to offend people when you love them. Let me say that again. You're not going to offend people when you love them. Because people won't love. Did you know that? People want to be loved. They, and not what the world thinks love is, what Christ designed love to be. And when we love each other with the love that Christ designed to be, this is what it says, then we are being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. When love abounds more and more in the areas of our life, guess what? God gets the glory. God gets praised. Listen, I've heard enough. I've heard enough of the church be condemned in the news because of all kinds of crazy stuff. I would love to see a church be commended because it actually loved people. Amen? Because it said... Just because the church people knew something about this person in town doesn't mean they didn't love them. Oh, you didn't hear me this morning. It's because it's this afternoon now. Listen, it's, it's, it's not because we know stuff that we don't love them. It's we love them because we know they need to be loved. It's not that we discern them to be, uh, to be evil. It's that we discern that there's a devil who hates them that wants to kill them, but there's a God who loves them. And if we have love in our heart, we want to love them too. I'm not saying we overlook sin because sin has to be dealt with. One of the great problems in our community and in our nation is nobody wants to deal with the sin problem. We need to deal with the sin problem, but we also need to deal with the love problem. Because until the church gets the love part right, we can never deal with the sin problem. Because there's got to be love that says come in and receive what Christ has for you. Then you can go out and change. And the same God that saves you can change you. Amen. Did you hear me? The same God that saves you can change you. The church has got to be able to love people through the change. This is my prayer for our church. That our love may abound still more and more in our knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. Let's, let's, let's let love fill even the parts of our lives that we think maybe not need love. Every part of our life needs love and more and more and more of it. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for watching today's service, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, and Wednesday night Bible study begins at 7 p.m. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Route 5 just north of Bellows Falls. For more information, you can visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you and have a great day.